so, uh, 20 minutes before we started our online call, I saw the news that uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg has passed away. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about this. Just wanted to acknowledge it. Um, she's an amazing historic figure uh, for women everywhere and in our country specifically and in our uh, judicial system. So wanted to address that. And not unrelated, there is still time to request your absentee ballots for the upcoming election and to look into your polling places if in-person makes you feel more comfortable uh, we just urge you to look into those things now before it is too late to uh, be a part of that process. So, uh, with that aside, Gary, wanted to ask you what you've been watching. Yeah, you know, I'm back in the oceans binge. I don't yeah. know if that's a thing, if you can be in the, I do that. <laughs> I, we've talked about you. it on the show. I like get in a, like, oh, I've been watching the Harry Potter movies. It's like, what do you mean? I've been watching them like over and over right. for like weeks. That's me right now with Oceans. It's like my, yeah. my they're my comfort movies right now. Uh, yeah. So I just will start Oceans 11. It's on HBO Max. And then I'll yeah. go to 12 and 13 on Netflix. And then I just start over again. <laughs> Although I have found Oceans 13 to be the most rewatchable of the three. Really? Other people would probably say 11 because it's, you know, the classic. But there's just... Something to those, specifically Brad Pitt and George Clooney, uh, the chemistry between them and how it has evolved to the point it's at in the third movie. Mm. I don't know. It's 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 really unlike any other two people. Like I don't know. There's something yeah. just so. I don't. It's almost uh, adorable. I don't know if I've if you know this. I've not seen any of those movies. I know I have to. I know they're classics. Ooh. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So let me give you my uh, adult and amateur filmmaker new lens uh -huh. <laughs> uh, pitch for them. Uh, so the, the, the idea behind those movies obviously is like, oh, we're going to bring a bunch of A-list actors together to do a heist movie. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. But the core of those movies, what actually makes them great is it is Steven Soderbergh being the most wish-fulfilling he can be. Hmm. So it's like, these aren't just heist movies. They're heist movies where when things go right, they so go right. And when they go <laughs> yeah. wrong, they so go wrong. And it's just right. always super satisfying. Like everything that happens, bad things and good things, all are perfectly done. And then every movie ends in just a way that... I don't know. They all surprise you and they're all great. Um, but yeah, there's just something about Brad Pitt and George Clooney in those movies, man. They they have a chemistry that's, I don't know, like they, they do this thing like throughout all three movies where one will start to say something and the other will kind of be like, yeah. And then the other one will, I, I can't even do it. It's like, they've just so got gonna, a rapport. Yeah, you're going to go to the hook. Yep. And you're going to, yeah. And then he walks away. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's just, totally. it's awesome. Satisfying and, uh, to watch. Very satisfying to watch. Steven Soderbergh is just a really, really great, uh, I think he's the kind of guy who will just make a movie the way he wants to make it, which mm -hmm. also is the way people want to watch movies. You know what I mean by that? I do. Yeah. I, yeah. What have you been watching? I kind of just charged through three oh. minutes of Oceans. No, absolutely. Uh, well, we uh, just finished Scrubs. Uh, 
And by that I mean we does finished, that have we finished season like, eight because that's where the show ends because they yeah it doesn't made have it. like and, a... and it's such a satisfying ending. It genuinely oh, it is. is like a great ending, and it's pretty actually. You know, before I was like season nine sucked. I remember that season nine sucked and screw that. But now I'm like actively mad that they made a season nine because the last season was really good. So they ended the show and then they just did one more season anyway? Yes. And I was looking at the air dates and the last episode of season eight released in May of 2009. And season nine, episode one aired in December of 2009. I was like, what happened there? And they even have like an after credits thing where they show the rap on everybody, like all their last Weird. scenes. And they're like, that's a series rap on Judy Reyes. That's a series rap on Donald Faison. And like. It was really sentimental oh, and really cool because like, that's too fulfilling. quick for that to make sense to me. Yeah, I was gonna absolutely. be like, well, maybe it's a uh, Arrested Development situation where, you know, they wished they could do another season and then yeah. Netflix bought it and it, but that's like a couple. You have to make a show, you know, so right. that almost sounds planned. Like maybe the producers did oh, something man. there. I mean, they they tried to do a very different thing in season nine to justify that. Oh yeah, isn't season nine just like it's like new not characters, to, basically. Yeah, it's yeah. The central characters change. Um, uh, I, they and they're still featured, like the old characters, like make cameos and stuff. But I don't know. It's weird. I, all, overall, Scrubs, not a perfect show. A lot of it very dated. And watching it as an adult, a lot of JD's character choices and like storyline choices. He's he's not a good dude. Like he's he's kind of a shitty person. Honestly, rewatching it's the interesting. It's still how many very fun. It's still a very Male fun watch. leads in TV shows are way worse dudes when you watch the shows a second time. <laughs> yeah. Like everybody's mm. rewatching Breaking Bad and realizing like, oh, wait, Walter White's a dickhead the whole show. It's like, oh, yeah, that's like that's, literally the point of the show. Okay. If you like Breaking Bad because you like Walter White, you don't get the show. I'm sorry. I, hot take. Come at me. Come at me in the comments. Well, Legendary4.com. Like, I don't care. No, I think that's I think that's fair to say. I think or at least you like the show for reasons different than we assume the writers and directors of the episodes and actors in those episodes are trying to uh portray for you. Sure. Like we yeah. want that I'm pretty sure they want us to feel the way Yeah. You know, that I feel now when I watch it. But there was a time, even when I was in like Oh uh, well, like high me school too, when, when I was coming was out 16. where I was like, Oh that's <laughs> That's yeah. sick. Uh, he totally just know. killed that guy. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I did revisit yeah. something else that I wanted to touch on. Um, uh, even I rewatched uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Well, she was watching for the first time. I was what seeing a movie. Uh, we came across it while we were scrolling, trying to find something to watch. And I saw it and I was like, ooh, it was the first thing that we came across that I was like, oh, I remembered loving that movie. So good. Like, I would be stoked to watch that. Are you cool with that? And she was like, yeah. For me, maybe it was the night. It did not hold up on a second watch. Uh, what were your issues with it? Because I've heard Pacing. Pacing. With... Pacing. Oh, yeah. Pacing. Oh my God, it's so slow. And like, I think on a first watch, that just builds anticipation. Like, what's going on? But knowing what happened, I was like, oh my God, get on with it. I was, it was frustrating, honestly. A lot of complaints I've seen for all of his movies are that they don't have enough going on thematically to support 
his style choices. He's, and I think uh, Yorgos Lanthimos, by the way, for those who don't yeah. know. Yorgos Lanthimos. He also made The Lobster, uh, Dog Tooth was the movie he made before mm. that. That's not as well known. I haven't seen that yet because another yeah. thing about his movies is they all have aspects of like disturbing shit in them. Yeah. But not disturbing in the same way that you would find like, you know, on a a violent horror movie or something it's like disturbing in in this i don't know like a skin crawly like oh god why did he do that kind right. of way and i <laughs> yeah. think the issue i have with his films because i had a huge issue with the lobster the first time i saw it and then the second mm. time i liked it more and then, and now i just don't really watch it mm. it it always feels to me like he, like there's no reason really but that's mm. almost also the point it's like right his characters are like they don't they don't reason like emotionally like we do. They won't care if something horrible happens. You know what I mean by that? Like yeah. it's like this, but it just makes for yeah. I can I haven't watched that movie a second time, but I will admit when I scroll past it, that is why I'm like mm-hmm. I don't want to sit through all that just to know how this movie ends and like I don't know. Like I can watch a movie that's uh slow and dreadful like hereditary and i'm not maybe hereditary will be like that for me when i revisit it too where like oh wait maybe this isn't working for me More now actually but happens in that movie though like literally exactly. there's like, like 45 minutes that all i could like assign the purpose to be is who is this kid for 45 minutes of this two-hour movie it's not necessary you could have that sort of intrigue i don't know and maybe i'm just like mad because i was uh, we were going to watch something else. I forget what. And it wasn't uh, streamable. Um, and I forget what now because I'm I'm so mad about <laughs> how bored I was. I don't know. And I loved The Favorite as well. And I remembered leaving The Killing well, of a Sacred Deer. Well, The Favorite deer. was not written Being... by him. Oh. Hmm. Yep. Yes. And I also love The Favorite. I think he is very good at what he does. But what he does isn't always what I want. And the favorite is a really nice blend of what I usually am looking for in a movie and his take on that. Yeah. You know? I do. Speaking of good blends of taste and uh, of different styles, uh, let's get into this episode of Avatar. But uh, first, I got to introduce you to the show. If you don't already know, this is a new lens. This is a project Gary and I started to talk about film and television that we liked as kids through the new lens of adults and amateur filmmakers. And we have arrived at The Chase. We've got a string. You texted me this earlier today. We've we're just on a string of just really fantastic episodes. Like, honestly, yeah, and they, kind of and from here on to. is why season two is so good. Maybe the best season. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We've don't been know. experiencing it. Not even yeah. from here on, like from two episodes ago on. Right. Absolutely. I agree. And these, I think what I love the most about this episode is it really doesn't feel like the whole show. Obviously, it's a show. It continues episode to episode and the stories continue. But these last three feel like a movie and this is yeah. like the end of like the first movie in like a series that season two is yeah. set in i don't know how to even explain that but like no, the way that especially okay this this episode well okay <laughs> before we dive into the actual episode we should probably do a little recap yeah. uh it's very simple basically the episode is about ang and the gang trying to just get some sleep but every time they do a huge fire nation tank like worm thing (laughs) like it's like a train a tank train 
yeah. uh, steam rolls into like right where they're sleeping. So they would just have to get on Appa and fly away. And they are assuming that they're safe because, you know, they're taking weird paths to get to where they're going. But this train just keeps finding them. And that's like the whole episode is them running away from this train. And they finally figure out maybe a way to like divert so that they can throw off the trail. Meanwhile, uh, Katara and Toph are kind of getting into it. And at the end of the episode, when they think they've thrown everyone off the trail, everyone ends up kind of coming together in this awesome kind of final showdown type thing we'll get to. But that's like the whole episode. The chase mm-hmm. is about the chase. Yeah. This, this feels to me kind of like one of those episodes of Breaking Bad where the, the title of the episode is exactly it's the episode. Like, you know what I mean? It. Yeah. The I fly. You. you know? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, this is one of my favorites for oh, sure. Man. And I forgot how significant this episode was until like the middle of the episode. That's what's so great about uh, it. I was watching yeah. the commentary and they, uh, Michael DiMartino, one of the creators of the show and the writer of this episode, mm. said like his favorite thing about this episode and the way they directed it was they kind of throw you off because in the beginning of it, you're thinking it's going to be a filler. Like, right. This is going to be an episode about these kids trying to sleep and not being able to. And that's what it's going to be about. And there will be a conflict between Katara and Toph. We know how that will resolve in the end. Like Mm -hmm. he's even like when the when he was saying this, it was as they were having their first issue. Hmm. And it's so interesting hearing the person who wrote that admit the tropes of it. And he's like, we did that on purpose because this episode is not a filler and you find that out about two thirds into it. Yeah. And he's like, and it's crazy that we were able to do that two thirds into it. But it, he's like, I think it, it's emotionally satisfying enough to, to be a payoff and to work. And I agree. I think it works yeah. so brilliantly kind of subverts your expectations in a way, Absolutely. but it's not like a traditional way of doing that. It's not like the episode starts making you think it's like the stakes aren't high. Mm-hmm. The stakes are still high. Like it still right. feels like, yeah. But there's something fillery about it, you know? Yeah, the, the even this uh the first shot, this establishing shot is something that we've seen similarly over and over again, basically just them in the countryside. You know, mm-hmm. there's like a river in the distance and it comes down on Appa standing on a carpet of his own fur and the gang just like having a pit stop, you know? It, and, and it feels really chill. The yeah. music I feel like a lot of those episodes that aren't fillers start with, like, a completely different feel, you know? There is, though, that musical difference where the first thing we hear is these drums, which is, like, even though we start with this very, like, sort of jovial first scene, the first thing you hear is, like, a... And those drums are, like, the heart of this episode. Yeah. They really, they beat through the whole... Every major scene of this episode has those drums. And then when they're not there, it makes for really great scenes, too. Because you're like, all of a sudden, it's quiet. Mm-hmm. And these moments between these people, which we'll get to some excellent oh, yeah. quiet moments. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> Toph, yeah. Toph thinks she's standing on grass. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but she's not. She's standing on the shedded fur, which I don't think is as gross. Like, they're kind of like, ew. Uh, I suppose I mostly guitar either. Some people think, I think some people do think that's gross. Even like a lot of people don't let their dogs on their couch. And I'm like, come on. Come on. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to sit down next to your dog for a movie. <laughs> I feel like there are a lot of, yeah, right. There are a lot of um like blind characters in portrayed as like, 
you know, like a superhero that's blind or whatever can still totally see everything. Yeah. I like that Toph really does not know what things look like, mm-hmm. even though we do see kind of a general idea of how she sees. Even mm-hmm. that isn't accurate. It is mm-hmm. all feeling. And even though it's just like a throwaway joke, this kind of just makes me remember that. Like, Or like when in her original episode, she gets the belt thrown to her and it hits her on the head. She has moments like <laughs> right. that throughout yeah. that remind you like, yes, she is the best, mm-hmm. but she also is like, she has a, a disability. little like, blind girl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like, <laughs> I like the goofs with the, uh, the wig and the beard and the pits. It feels super genuinely kid. You know what I mean? And they show Katara giggle at it even yes. in the end of that scene, yeah. which is really important to me. Ang sneezes. Because she could and... really easily be just like a, she laughs. you know, the shitty mom archetype. <laughs> right. Being like, okay, this isn't funny, but she still has a laugh about it, you know? Yeah. Ah, oh, I love that. Yeah. Me too. Um, But then they're trying to set up camp and uh, <laughs> Ang just, <laughs> like, just with one gust <laughs> puts his tent up, which is dope. Um. And Katara's trying to talk to Toph about, like, pulling your weight at, as a team. And, like, you know, everybody's got to do their part. And even Momo does his part. He flies in with some nuts. It's almost a little more, like, uh, what's the word for that? Like, pastoral, like, idyllic than is usually how their team goes along. But yeah, I, I think they are highlighting the ways that, like, the team has just learned to work together that aren't necessarily pronounced because it's just kind of how it works. And now that there's a new member, they're bringing attention to it. You know what I mean? And talk about how, like, I mean, being a kid talking about this is like being an adult talking politics. You know what I mean? They're The way that they have this argument, I'm like, holy crap, as an adult, this argument hits different. You know, with yeah. Toph being like, I'll pull my own weight. I'll mm-hmm. get my own food. I'll put my own shelter up. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Katara doesn't have the appropriate argument for that. Aang does later. We'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's kind of funny, too, because in reality, all she's really asking is for, like, w- like grab something. One thing. <laughs> right. They don't even have that much stuff, you know? Yeah. But that also kind of strengthens Toph's point of, like, I'm new and I didn't ask to be here, really. I'm, But she did, yeah. you know? yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's really interesting, but uh oh, totally. yeah, you could you could really dive into the way that they argue about it and look at it from like a political point of view and be like, "Huh." You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. You could. We're not gonna. It's Sorry very for the very very surface level, so it would be pretty pointless of us to do, you know. Yeah. Um are is this the first time we're seeing Appa like they're addressing the saddle? You know what I mean? They like take the saddle off and like drops it on Sokka. Oh. You know what I mean? I, I I don't know if they've addressed it before. I don't know if we've... I feel like it must have been off of him when they were in Kiyoshi and they were... Yeah. But they're bringing like, attention he... to it now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just find that interesting. Like, they do take it off him so that he can, you know, rest. But also, this is a big thing. Like, this is a big tool that... Uh, I, I don't know what to call it. The saddle. It's like a... An aperture. <laughs> they sure. Just, and they've had it for... Uh, he just probably had it on his back, like... Yeah, because we see him sleep with it on too. Mm-hmm. Appa is like a major part part to this episode. You oh, know? oh yeah, absolutely. I love that too because it's it's Appa. He's been here the whole time. He's always been an important part, but now we're seeing little reasons why he's 
Right. He's not more, just like you know, their car, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, we've gotten little moments of flavor, like he's been their transportation and then like him and Momo will talk to each other. But now we're actually getting like, you know, he's very integral to the plot of this episode, which is cool. He's he's a character of this show. Um, I love Toph's earth tent that she just <laughs> forms around herself. Um and then the the two shots, like they all do get to bed, and then just her hands spreading out on the ground, like towards the camera, and then a close up on her ear, and we're like, she hears something. Like I know that seems that, trivial. That like, happens a couple oh, times, but in this episode cool. with her too, though. Yeah, and this is the first time they're establishing that. Mm-hmm. Hey, a close up on her hands and a close up on her ears. So yep. now later, when you just see a close up on her foot, you know she's feeling yep. the vibrations of something and hearing it. Yep, that's how you know. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, it makes you realize she is a very important part to their group beyond just being his teacher. Mm-hmm. She saves their lives here. Yeah. If it wasn't for her, they wouldn't wake up in time for sure. Yeah. I don't know if she, I feel like whenever I think about this episode, I imagine her saying that to Katara in an argument, hmm. but then watching it, I was like waiting for it. And I don't think she did. I think and she I did. just feel like she straight up is if they didn't have her in their group, they would have gotten captured. Yeah. Uh, and then that brings me to another commentary thing that I thought mm. was very hilarious. Yeah. Um. So this tank train thing, we later see the people that are in it aren't driving it because they get out right. of like a different cart, right? Mm-hmm. I like how it's just this omniscient just like force. Yeah. Like maybe it's just mechanical. Mm. But in the commentary they say that the headcanon of that is the uh teachers of Azula, those twin ladies, those old <laughs> twins are the ones in the engine room just with like helmets on and just like come on, pull that lever. You know, and they're really they're the funny. ones making it drive. Isn't that amazing? That's really fucking funny. I'm so glad that I caught that bit of cuz that's oh, like man. that was probably the best thing I found out in the whole commentary. Just like yeah. imagining them in the engine room (laughs) oh that's awesome um that tank is menacing as hell too the like oh yeah dynamic low shot of it just speeding it's terrifying see it from a distance because of this smoke that rises up from it so Mm -hmm. it's even scary from a distance because it's like that is just an unstoppable it's like it follows you know it's like you can just see it coming and there's nothing you can do Mm mm-hmm Immediately, they they have to leave to try and escape, and immediately all of them have these gray semicircles under their eyes, which just so easily and perfectly communicates that they are very tired. I mean, aside from, yeah. you know, the fact that they're being kept from sleep, that is just a an indicator and helps us understand their continuing and growing agitation with each other, you know? And I think we've talked about this before, but I don't know if we've, like, explicitly said it on the show. Did you know that this is... So they write and direct and storyboard all the episodes in America, and then they send all that to Korea. Oh. And they actually have a team in Korea that animates it. I did not know that. So a lot of ideas that they have, once animated, are a little different. That's not one of them, I don't think, but there are a couple that'll come up later, uh during um well I'll, I'll i'll remember to bring it up but okay they talk about how like in this commentary korea brings a lot the korean team brought a lot of the 
best things about this episode hmm. to life just in their animation yeah um but i mean making that something that's subtle and not like they're drunk or something is <laughs> yeah. an animation thing and a director's choice and they talked about that too it's yeah i love how they communicate or like with their little like later in the episode little hairs are kind of starting to come out yeah right you know their mm-hmm. ponytails aren't as nice right totally they get to their first spot and Katara is again trying to be like, well, aren't you going to help us unload this time? Um, <laughs> uh, Toft slams, quote unquote, slams the door in her face by just <laughs> lifting a, a triangle uh, in her tent. And they're like, maybe you should both just calm down. And she's like, I'm completely calm. <laughs> Dude, is this when Katara says that super harsh thing to Toph too? Or is that later? I don't remember. Where she's like... Wow, the stars sure look great. Glad I can see them. Oh yeah, holy <sighs> yeah, fuck. yeah. I read the as she says that. I read that as oh, it's because she decided to put a tent up over herself, and she's saw in, in her own tent, so yeah. she can't see the stars. But then when you realize she's digging <laughs> at her for just being born <laughs> blind, yeah, ooh, not great. That's um, like she's also she, they are laying down trying to sleep, and she's saying that loudly over to this person in the in the earth tent yelling at her while they're trying to yeah. sleep and they're she already like low on that, sleep she's not earth slide or whatever yeah. that attack was yeah. called she deserved it Toph wakes up again to these the, the sound of this tank thing coming and Sokka's like well how far away are they like are they yeah how, like can, can I nap for 20 more minutes for a couple more yeah yeah um I love that but uh, they get up, they fly more. Aang's like, I want to be sure that we absolutely lose them. They get to a mountaintop. It's like, how's a tank even going to get there? And we took a weird route, and it's a far distance. Now we're good. Appa just collapses. I don't even remember what he said, but there's a small detail of uh, when they're laying there, they're getting frustrated because uh, Toph hears them again. And Aang covers his face with, with his uh, um, with like his his clothing. And in the middle of the sentence, you can hear the audio quality shift to like, oh, be muffled. And I know that's just a thing in post that they just like made his audio quieter halfway through, uh, especially just like doing a lot of audio editing myself. I noticed that sort of thing. And I was like, oh, I don't know. That's just interesting and well done because it's like, you know, smooth, just portraying something. I don't know exactly what. It's not a huge moment. I probably didn't even need to bring it up. But uh... well, since you did, I'm going to bring up my not huge moment, too. Oh, yeah. In that same uh, scene when Sokka goes, can everyone just shish? Yeah, he yeah. says shish instead of just doing a shh yeah. sound. Mm. Apparently, in the in that moment, they were like, all right, just shush them. And he did like a couple different versions of it, yeah. never actually going shh. It was, they were like making fun of it. They were like, this dude is just brilliant because he could just make shush funny. Shush. It's just so funny. And it's like yeah. very Sokka too. Only Sokka would say that, you know, in right. that. Yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? No, totally. Um, Another good Sokka thing. Uh, Toph's like, who's Zuko? And they're like, oh, it's this guy that's constantly chasing us. It's fine. Um. Sokka makes fun of his ponytail. And they're like, yo, you've got a ponytail. It's like, this is a warrior's wolf tail. I love that. Like, all right. <laughs> What's the difference, man? Um, and then this tank just appears on the mountain. It's fine. It can just go up. Like, it just comes over a crest of the mountain. It just... <laughs> it's like, fuck. 
And it stops, and this trio of Azula, Ty Lee, and May get out on these huge salamander creatures. They were ref- referring to them as mongoose lizards. On They said mongoose they didn't have an official n- They were like, I don't know if that's the official name, but I'm pretty sure it was like mongoose lizards, because they can like do what a lizard can do, but they yeah. can also do like, you know, the way that they can climb over stuff, and uh, yeah. I guess some of the things that they do later, too, are one of those two animals can do i forgot yeah but basically yeah yeah, they look a lot like salamanders and then they're just they're like that creature obi-wan rides in the second yeah totally in totally uh not the second yeah attack of the clones yeah um there's an interesting musical thing going on in this moment because usually when we see azula coming there's like you know some form of the uh the fire nation theme even if it's like the different like like the sort yeah. of voice that's the not here theory. this is strings it's rising this feels personal rising strings it feels it intense feels bigger and personal and bigger it feels personal yet bigger at the same time you know yes like more it doesn't grand feel like thing. she's doing this for because in the past when zuko shows up he's there for the in the name of the fire nation yeah but azula just like doesn't work that way you know she does th- she's doing this because she wants to yeah and that just makes it scarier yeah you know uh they try and they're like let's fight him uh toff has the dig on Sokka, not bending and he's like i can still fight there's many this is bringing me to a point i meant to start earlier but there's so many really really goofy really really funny faces in this episode yes and yeah uh, like you bring his face turns beat red at one point when he's yelling and it's like that's a choice. You mm-hmm. know, they haven't done that mm-hmm. a lot on this show, so it sticks out. Yeah. And, I mean, it also fits with their, like, elevated state being sleep-deprived and yeah, more easy totally. to go to such an extreme place of anger and stuff like that. Um, That's absolutely what I was – one of the things I was referring to with the Korean animation department. Yeah, yeah. Pub. Because he, he was talking about Sokka specifically throughout the episode, all the good Sokka stuff. Yeah. The other one I'll bring up is all korea mm. it's all the korean animation very team. Cool. And that's just i i love that knowing that even at the very final step everything is planned to the t mm-hmm. someone had to draw it and they could have done a little something like the foaming mouth guy is another example oh, of that right, right, was right. not even in the show cool. yeah. and then when they sent them the show from korea there was just a guy with foaming mouth so they recorded <laughs> a guy making the sounds yeah oh fantastic yeah, I, just it's cool um they do decide to run and tough just brings up this massive wall it's not even really addressed but this huge wall yeah she does some pretty effortless bending throughout this episode it's really cool to watch but azula because we blows right through it oh man that's effortless too i love that now that we have this enemy who is a prodigy we also have someone on our team who is a prodigy Mm -hmm. you know we can kind of because i would say that katara is a hard-working yeah. And naturally gifted, but like her hard work is why she is so, so good. Yes. And Toph seems to genuinely just be the best just mm-hmm. because. <laughs> right. She's obviously had to work really fucking hard being yeah. someone who is like completely like on house arrest, basically. Right. Like she had to work hard to get where she is, but. And she's younger than Katara. Yeah. Right. And I just think that moments like this with her doing like her 
with like the three stones Mm -hmm. and then we just see these lizards just like go around them easily bringing up the wall azula just easily blasting through it Mm -hmm. it's just like man we just got someone dope and now you guys have to have some dope dude too god you know uh uh they make it out just barely and uh something stuck out to me katara bringing up how nervous she was that uh that trio is the ones who are are the ones who are following us and when we were in omashu one of them they did something that took my bending away and she's so like deeply troubled by it you can feel it it's i don't know it's just a very significant moment i wanted to touch on um and we see this tray this this tank ever following them but then we linger on these tracks and then zuko is following oh, these tracks. And that is when this episode shifts. Yep. All 100%. of a sudden, we go, wait. Oh. Like, there was a moment when Azula and the two jumped out that we go, oh, so that's what this is. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as you see Zuko, the genre shifts. Yeah. It goes from being, like, this uh, episodic, like, fantasy TV show. We're just in a Western now. <laughs> right. It's like, right. all of a sudden... We are in a Western, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, like, crazy how that feels when it happens with his hat low and he's, like, holding it. Yeah. Oh. Oof. It's oh, really badass. So good. And the lighting starts to shift at this point, too. Yeah. the sun starts to set. Right. Yep. They made it all the way through the night and did not fall asleep. They land. Appa does fall asleep and they crash, which is a little bit like, oh, man, did he... Does he not yeah. have the like falling sensation reaction? You know, like, oh man, oh, wow. he's real tired. Yeah, um, I didn't even think of that. That's how tired he is. He just doesn't feel himself. And then Katara being pretty not cool again, just blaming Toph. Like, we would have gotten yeah, sleep the, if Toph didn't have her issues. And that's what she's Whoa. doing. You're doing that. You're starting an issue. Yeah. You, know? you can get sleep right now. Don't, I don't know. But it's mm-hmm. also very, very accurate. Like, you know, everyone oh, does that. Yeah. We do that. You know, I'll be like, she wants someone to I'll blame. totally bring up an argument just to be like, you argued. Why'd you do that? And it's like, <laughs> shit, wait. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And she does, I think Toph does like my favorite Toph move in like the whole show here to Sokka. Wait. He, she's oh, like yes. in a storm off. Yes. And he just stands in her way and she just slides him. <laughs> she just, <laughs> he just. You don't even see the earth bending at all, but you know what no, she did. It's so great. It's just his feet, you know, yeah. and he looks down like, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I like that she leaves and instantly uh, Aang and Katara are like, we were really mean to her. Aang blows up at her as well because uh, a little ca- carry your own so. weight. Appa's the one who's carrying all of our weight, which is like... Which hasn't really been brought up, yeah. you know? Right. We've, we know, we've seen... We've had enough moments with Appa as his own character, like especially mm-hmm. in like the Swamp episode, where we do feel like Appa is a character. Yeah. But I think this is what drives home the fact that we like we're using him too. Mm-hmm. He's a character we use, you yeah, know. Right. And as much as it's like, uh, oh shit, when Ang gets mad, it's also like just so justified that you're like, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh huh. And he's sticking yep. up for someone else. He's not just attacking somebody out of nowhere. He's like defending his best friend in the world. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. Um, but she does leave. They're not sure how to get her, uh, her back, but they do. She did point out before uh, Toph left, she pointed out that 
the hair is why they're being able to track them. Which also is right. You know, they have this plan to give Appa a bath and get rid of all the extra hair. Um, and then go separate ways. Aang will, you know, lead them one way with a bunchel of hair, and they'll go the other way, Sokka and Katara on Appa. And as wet Appa <laughs> with his bangs yeah, in his eyes. Totally. As he flies away, he knocks the tops of this tree, which just seems like kind of a oh, he's sleepy and he's kind of just he's still sleepy, yeah. But it's vitally it cuts, important. It's always like I love film language because mm-hmm. The way that that could be communicated to make it obvious if they were to have him hit the tree and then it immediately cut to Azula, I would have been like, oh, she's going to find that tree and know where he's going. Mm -hmm. But they go from the tree to their tired ass faces. Yeah. And it makes you go, he's tired, so he hit the tree. You know what I mean? Yep. It's just great editing. And that is another thing about this episode that is, I think, maybe even a whole step above a lot of episodes of the show is they cut really well like there are some points in this episode where they cut away earlier than i would have but then other moments wouldn't be in the episode because Mm -hmm. i would have had to cut those out you know what Mm -hmm. i mean the way that they're able to get every little thing into this episode is just masterful editing in my opinion one of the best little things which is one of the best things in the show in the entire show toff's walking around she feels someone behind a rock she earth bends oh that really hurt my tailbone. It's Iroh. Oh my god. Um, we this cut away is from my that. favorite. We, I think my favorite thing in the show. Okay, yeah, yeah. We, we'll we get do cut that. away from that and come back to it. Um, but uh, just those two meeting up immediately makes you go, oh, oh, oh. And we don't even know Toph that that much uh, as of this I point. I think but though like, she oh. does make you instantly love her from her first episode. Though, yeah, you know, I do think so. Azula and uh that trio find this site azula is very very perceptive sees that tree top knocked off and knows what they're trying to do but they split up and azula goes after where she thinks ang and correctly thinks ang is going um and we cut to ang and he's got so much hair in his bag that he's able to just like let it fall out as he's flying i just liked that detail um, me too and he comes across this small town which he figures is a good ending point for this uh red herring trail isn't there just a fucking feeling you get once this starts this him flying into this town the sun setting it's an abandoned like actually old west looking town yep i don't know man when i watched that like i watched this episode three times because Mm. i was just from this point on i watched like i watched the whole episode twice and then just the last 10 minutes again yeah because it just makes me feel a thing that i love feeling especially (laughs) he opens the staff gets ready to go and he turns around and looks at the trail behind him knows that they're just going to keep coming for him and he closes the staff and sits down and waits for her yeah it's such a it's such a western like waiting in this abandoned town for my enemy you know like ooh. But also very like mature of a little kid to be like, I cannot just keep running from this. I need to face this at some point, and now is the time. Oh, and I think the whole episodic approach to this episode gives them the right to have all these characters be in this state. 
You know, we started this episode thinking it's an episode about them not getting enough sleep and being chased. But now that it's at this point, they don't just get to not be tired anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean by that? There's yes. this weird, like, oh, shit, like, oh, they got <laughs> fucked up in the middle of their little thing. You know what I mean by yeah. that? Like, it feels like just like the worst coincidence that we're like, no, this is supposed to be a filler episode. Don't do this to them. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, man. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. They have, like, those dark circles even, like, throughout oh, through the, the, you know? the rest of the episode. Yeah. Even Sokka and Katara, who get suddenly realize they are being trailed by Tylee in May. Um, man, in, in that moment, when we cut back to them mm -hmm. right away, I, it took my breath away, the colors used. There Ooh. are more vibrant colors used in that scene than, like, most shows use. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like they just whipped out their 10,000 collection of colored pencils for that moment. The sunset yeah. and just the blues in their outfits, the greens and like the land around them. You got uh, the different Fire Nation outfits. The I don't yeah, know. There's the river, just something the, about the vibrancy. It's like the they lizards. upped the contrast. Yeah, totally. I loved it. This fight is super cool. Uh, I love Katara sees Ty Lee and you see there's like a close up on her opening her water pouch yeah. i loved that like just and getting she like, prepared she fights differently she's yeah. like not going to get hit by oh, this she girl is. she's like oh yeah she's 100% like pulling away. dodging centric and tai lee is smart she's like all right fuck that then i'm going to go take care of who i can take yeah. care of which is <laughs> the other <laughs> korean animation moment that they really? highlighted it's the Hell one yeah. they specifically highlighted they're like this is all korea like <laughs> Him having noodle arms yeah. when they they were like all we knew was that she was gonna make him drop his weapon, but they yeah. added the whole oh that's each, awesome that's like a whole sequence that they yeah. created yeah she gets each one of his limbs yeah and then when she goes for his head it doesn't work because <laughs> yeah. he doesn't have any chi in his yeah. head you know <laughs> or his head is too thick I don't know either way it's just hilarious yeah. Uh, Appa very much saves the day on on that one. Tail slaps them away, and they're yeah, able to get away. Yeah, and it's an airbending move. We away. see, like yeah. a, you know, when they when they show wind on this show, we see like the white. It's almost like a smoky. I don't know. Like I would not know how to animate air on a show with airbending, mm -hmm. but they do it so so well on this show. Yeah, and it it just reminds you, like, yeah, this isn't just a steed it's not just a character he's not just a bison mm -hmm. he fucking airbends too you know <laughs> yeah right um now we get back to toff and iroh sitting and having a cup of tea in the midst of like the most suspense of the episode we cut over to these two fantastic characters sitting and having a cup of tea and having a conversation that is meaningful to the both of them in a very large way this is probably my favorite moment in the whole show Oh, I mean, yeah, come on. Come on. It's top five for me, for sure. I'm not even exaggerating. And I say that too much. <laughs> but I actually <laughs> believe you. I know you brought this one up outside of this podcast before we did yeah. it as one of your favorite moments of the show. And I agree. And I love that it's not over overdone. It's very, yeah. very short. Yeah. Especially watching it more than once. I was like surprised at how soon they cut away from it. You know? Yeah. I mean, I also wrote down basically the entirety of the conversation, which I don't necessarily have to go through. Um, but I love, you know, I poured your tea because I wanted to for no other reason, mm -hmm. not taking pity on you or anything. You're lost. Sounds like my my nephew. He's he's a bit lost. 
Um, but I'm following him because I know he doesn't want me around right now. But if he needs me, I will be there. And uh, Toph gives him an insight as well, saying... I love uh, that. Might be a good idea to tell him that you need him too. And it just cuts to him sipping his tea with his eyes closed, contemplating that. Yeah. Yep. It's beautiful. And that's what I was talking about too. Like, if it were me, I would have let her finish it and then cut to him and then faded. But they cut to him in the middle of her talking and fade and it's just the moment is over. Yeah. And for some reason, it's more affecting to me. Like... (laughs) It's yeah, you, real. Mm-hmm. He he felt her say that, and he contemplated it, and we're moving on. And yeah. We're thinking about it. I don't know. It just really strikes me. That's, like, just my favorite. I also love how when he pours her tea, I don't know if you notice, there's a couple times where this happens in this episode where Iroh just, like, looks out of the corner of his eye. Hmm. He's an observer. He's not someone who yeah. assumes, you know? Like, she was thinking he's... A, she assumes that he assumes she's helpless. Yeah, But in reality, he was observing. When he yeah. poured her tea, he saw her reach for it and then instantly knew, oh, she's she can totally see even though she can't yeah. see. It's totally. so cool that we saw him have that thought process. And he does it again later, which we'll get to, where yeah. he has like a thought process that we get to see. You At know? the end of this epic scene, culminating with all of the main characters of this show in one spot. For the first time, all Man. four elements being bended. This At battle the same is. Time. I mean, we we get to that point. the The first reveal is Zuko there saying he's mine and he's fighting his sister, but effectively kind of protecting Aang because he really, wants them. Like that's what his it's, justification and it's a cool is. But dynamic how yeah. he's fighting Aang and Azula, and Aang is fighting both of them. But Azula's pretty much just focusing on Zuko right yeah. now. Did you notice that? Yep. Like, they're having this. She's three-way... fighting both of them, but I don't know if it, uh, if it's like a politically correct term. Any, I think it's not okay to say, but it's called. It's a like Mexican considered stand? a Mexican standoff. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know. But, yeah, I don't know where that comes from and where things come from. Usually, is like what <laughs> makes them <laughs> offensive. When there's you know raci- like... racial uh, words in the phrase, it, there's likely to be. But Probably. I don't know the. I don't so, know the, etymolo- um, the etymology. But they have this. A three-way standoff, yeah. and Azula attacks first and attacks Zuko, and that yep. is just yep. everything you need to know about her, about him, about where Aang take he like where he is in all of this. Yep. And as they're fighting, all of a sudden, more people show up because Aang is like, oh, I love that moment too, where he's like on the edge of this building and he's an airbender. Yeah, so he's just right. <sighs> And then Azula, she go- goes into the building and she almost falls, yeah, but, but she's she also a very nimble and like, right. she has a moment where you hear her go, this is the only moment in the entire show where you'll hear Azula be afraid. Yeah. And it's like, oh! yeah. she's like scared she's going to fall. Right. It's such a satisfying sound to me because I'm like, yeah, fuck you. But then Zuko <laughs> just barrels through and just yeah. smashes in yeah. and she kicks him out, knocks him out. And then Aang ends up in the bottom of a different room and she starts up fire around him. That just Katara shows up. That fire Speaking border fire, around the room. Don't you dope. love how her fire is blue, which is hotter. Yeah. But then as soon as she lights something on fire, it, it kind cools of goes down, back to that settles uh, regular fire temperature, yeah. that orange fire. Yeah. It's done so well. I love that. The border. You know, that's probably not easy to do. Shown best. Yeah. No, absolutely. That fade. Um, <laughs> Katara shows up. The next person we see is Iroh. 
um, and then Toph. And there's a moment where Azula is like kind of. And Sokka the... has some great moments oh, here too. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I love Azula bumping into Iroh's belly and him like belly that... bumping her away. They talked about that in the commentary too, yeah. and they were saying that their choreographer, the the main dude who does like their fight stuff, was like, yeah. "I really think that if I were Iroh, I would use my belly more in fighting, because like yeah. he's a fighter and he knows what he's doing uh-huh. and he has a belly, so right. he would use it. utilize it." And that was them like having a moment for him to cool. be able to use his belly in a fight, and it actually is like in the moment it. It's awesome. Yeah. And it's funny. You know, it's like yeah. both. It's like, this is hilarious and just badass because it's Iroh and a belly. Right. I also love right before that when he just is above Zuko. Uncle, get up. Yeah. I don't know. Yep. There's something so just like, I, I shed a tear when that happens because it's like, yeah. Zuko just needed him in that moment. And, and like he, he was he telling Toph, he was there. Yep. Yep. If he needs me, I'll be there. And he was. Oh, but then things kind of get a switcheroo there when they all corner Azula. She foe gives up. She's like, I know when I'm beat, but she's looking for something she can capitalize on. And it's Iroh noticing Toph is part of Aang and the gang. Oh, I, what? That Which moment is, a huge is so moment. cool to me because it's not just... I don't know. There's just something about him realizing that mm-hmm. that just strikes me. Like, in the moment that he's having tea with her, you almost assume he just does know already. You know what I mean? Right. There's just a little feeling. You're, like, he's Iroh, and he's he yeah. wouldn't mind. He Of course. But now in this moment, you realize, like, that genuinely was him having tea with a stranger, mm-hmm. and he is now, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, he's kind of shocked, you know? Yep. Oh, and man. That and that gives Azula is, like, the opportunity. Oh, she blasts him with a blue flame, and we cut to like the most borderline anime emotion shot oh, of this episode. Face. One of the in the whole show, maybe we have it's like the shot of Zuko just no, yeah. but the way they like it's almost like a dolly zoom or something. Mm-hmm. They like shift focus on him or some or like the way his face is animated. It's just borderline like uh, oh, I've got chills thinking about it. You know what I mean by it? It's just yeah. there's something about it that it's not something you could ever do live action. Yeah. You know, that is it's ooh, and and they they gather around Iroh and he doesn't want them to go, you know, and he like. And this is like, uh, here is the avatar, which is in season one. That was his only goal. I need to get the avatar. Yes. Here he is. But his uncle is over him. Also, he just spent like a whole battle basically protecting him, working with him, even though his like in his head, his goal was to capture him at the end of this yes, fight for himself. He's at but... battle with himself. Yes. Yes. And then we cut to the shot of Toph's foot and then Iroh's breathing, and we just know that she knows he's not okay. Yeah. You know what oh, I mean? Yes, I do. It's this this moment of just like, oh no. Like I don't know why, but I just get so heartbroken. It's just a shot of her foot and then mm-hmm. a shot of his breathing and then her face and you're just like, mm-hmm. "Oh, he's not okay. Yeah. This is not okay." Katara you know? offers to help. They have hated mm-hmm. this guy so much. He's been the epitome of the Fire Nation working against them. And here she is. I can help him, Zuko. And he just lashes out. 
leave. There's something audio, something in the yes. audio of that done as well that, ooh, it just, you feel the emotion seeping out of Zuko in that moment with his blast of fire. Oh, it's such a powerful thing and such a compelling moment to leave off on because that's it. Mm-hmm. And then we see the and gang. we just have... Are, Without words, we get that kalimba it, in music. This time, it feels like different, yeah. where it ends with them finally getting sleep. Yeah, and the music is even that that kalimba, uh, like the. Dun, 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 it's that music, yeah. but there is just a feeling of like unease because of how it shifts so quickly. Yeah, you know, it goes yep. from him doing that to that, and then it's over, and you're just left with this feeling of like. Oh emotion you just have so you don't know they don't let you have a payoff they they make you be emotional through the end of the episode and it's brilliant it's done so well this is man they uh on the commentary they talked about how there's like 10 or 15 more minutes that they had to cut out uh and it was like really hard to do but you have to do it and i can tell that like this is just the perfect version of this episode you know what i mean they edited it perfectly and it's astonishing as someone who because like people listening to someone talking about editing would never understand you edit i've edited a little bit i imagine editing a whole show or like a feature film is a whole different ball game that i've never even tried to dip into but even so just like the minor editing i've done i know how absolutely ridiculously difficult it is to do that well. And I really do think this is like perfectly edited, this episode. I agree. Yeah. They had a very difficult job getting it down to the essentials and they did a perfect job. I love it when we talk about a good episode like this. Oh, yeah. I feel good. Uh, now we have the difficult job of basically choosing which goofy face is the kid moment of the week. That's so true because it is... <laughs> Honestly, though, you know what my kid moment of the week was? I wrote it down already. The it is Sokka being, uh, yeah, his yeah. cheese being blocked. Noodle arms. <laughs> I don't know. I just wanted, there were like three different moments of Sokka and Katara both like having super angry moments and their faces are so huge and stylized that maybe Sokka with a huge rack face up at Toph telling him, you know, like yeah. the whole bending conversation. I think it's got to be the noodle arms, though. A kid, a kid totally gets that. Like, (laughs) he like his little noises. They cut the music out and everything just so you can focus on like. (laughs) And then it doesn't work on his head. Yeah, Yeah. and he's not even surprised by that. He's like, "Ha ha, yeah, that's right." (laughs) Right. You know, he like knew that that wouldn't work. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Oh, what a good one! Yeah, Uh, thank you all for listening through this podcast and hopefully watching along with us because man we could all use a little more avatar in our lives uh but if you could also use some more podcasts in your lives we've got uh our actual play dungeons and dragons podcast uh legendary four adventures space vampires thank you gary uh that's streaming on pretty much all sites uh you can find that on legendary4.com as well where this goes out this podcast uh goes out uh i hope you have enjoyed uh, enjoyed listening to this one we certainly enjoyed recording it recording talking about this one so uh we will see you on wednesday this is coming out sunday right yeah sure 
I don't know how. It's a little creepy that we're going to be seeing you, but you will be listening to us. <laughs> just like imagining questions. us just like with like a laptop screen up and every <laughs> single one of our listeners just like on a webcam. That's creepy. I shouldn't even say that. <laughs> well, you shouldn't let our secret out. <laughs> anyway. Oh, uh, man, I'm so glad I got good at fake laughing so they don't know I'm actually serious. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, I am Calvin. And I'm Gary. This has been a new lens. Curse! <laughs> That's a different episode. Yeah, so that doesn't even make I'm sense. I'm not going to put that <laughs> This one's just going to end. <laughs>